Welcome back to Mothers in Construction, AKA MIC. Today we're gonna speak to a military wife who happens to also be a mother in construction. One would think that the life of a military service member doesn't directly tie into a woman who has a career in a construction industry, but we're gonna show you how. So sit back and enjoy. Don't forget to check us out every Thursday. Welcome everyone to Mothers in Construction. I have someone very special here with me today to speak about the life as a mother in construction, also a military wife. Hello everyone. Um, my name is Angela Westerhouse. I have been in construction for 18 years, a little more than 18 years. I am a senior estimator, um, which means I, I bid projects and I estimate uh, large commercial construction projects, interior construction projects. I am a mother in construction and I have three children, all girls. Uh, they range in age from four to nine. All right, we said woman in construction. We said mother in construction. And then we had the nerve to say military wife. <laughs> Some might think that you're a glutton for punishment or we are a glutton for punishment. You couldn't have told me in a million years that I would have ever have married a military serviceman. But you can't help who you love. And I think the reason why I was initially afraid of it was the things and the stories that you hear about the deployments and just having a mate that has a scary profession. But I will say that it's also an honor for me to know that I'm a part of making a sacrifice that keeps our country safe. So I know you probably feel the same as well. But with anything that comes with sacrifices, you have an intense career, very demanding career. And usually that doesn't tie into being a military wife. I want to shout out to all the military wives out there who are doing this every day. There's a lot that goes into this lifestyle. I want you to describe your first experience as a military wife and describe any fears associated with obtaining the career goals and, and the fears that you faced with this lifestyle change. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll start at the beginning and you said it exactly right. I mean, there was that same hesitation. You know, when we met, I was, I was thinking to myself, I just don't know if I want to date anybody who's in the military. My career is progressing forward and I've worked really hard to get the experience and, and knowledge and kind of get to where I, I was in my career so far. And so my thoughts of what it meant, to, you know, for a life in the military to be partnered with somebody potentially that that was in the military didn't seem to fit mm. <laughs> with where I was in my career. So, you know, all of that, Tonya, it's, it's the hesitation you mentioned that stood out to me the most. Um, and I'll kind of just go back to the beginning, kind of, you know, when my husband and I were dating and I didn't know if I even wanted to date someone that was in the military. My thoughts about what that looked like if this were to get serious didn't seem to really match up at that point in my career. You know, I felt like I was moving forward. I was progressing. I was on the trajectory that I wanted to be on in my career and was very proud of that and those accomplishments. Military life just did not seem like it would fit you know, along that trajectory. But we continued, we both gave it a chance and we continued to date, you know, turned into getting married. And as we were engaged, we talked a lot about career and what that might look like. Coincidentally, you know, during the time we were engaged, there, we were also in a depressed market. And so the conversation was a little more challenging because we realized that <laughs> I'm, I'm working in this job that I find rewarding, but also, you know, provides me income. 
and there aren't a lot of people hiring right now, but we know that in our future, you know, there's a move. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and what, what does that mean? We both realized that there was a chance that I might leave a job with no job to go to. And were we prepared to make that decision? You know, we thought long and hard on that and had several conversations revolving around that. What it turned into was just focusing on my goals of continuing my career, which didn't necessarily mean I had to jump from one company to another like company. It meant, you know, I had to stay flexible and just open up the aperture a little bit to other opportunities that might not look exactly like the one that I was in. And so, you know, I looked at possibilities of going back to school. Well, that would keep me relevant until the market, you know, came back. Maybe I'd can further my education. I was willing to work for various subcontractors in the area that we were moving to. I was willing to work for an owner. None of those were exactly what I was doing, but it would still keep me in the industry and keep me learning and continue my progress and, you know, allow me to continue to gain experience. And so, you know, we, we were comfortable with that and, you know, moved forward with that. And I applied for lots of jobs during the time we were engaged and ended up landing a job with the military as a civilian at our um, duty station that we were going to be assigned to in Jacksonville, Florida. And so things worked out well, <laughs> just with persevering and, and really looking into op- various opportunities that were out there. Um, like I said, just keeping an open mind about other potential options besides the one exactly like the one I was in. So let's get a little deeper with that. I know for me, the fear hits you in the pit of your stomach, <laughs> you know, because the area that uh, you were working is is thriving for construction, always has been, even in the recession, I would say that that particular area, the capital region thrived, you know, it didn't get hit as bad as other places. And, you know, you build your career, you build those relationships with contractors, your comfort zone with you know, doing what you love. And then all of a sudden, you know, that a PCS move is coming up. And, you know, you talk about it with your husband or your spouse, and it sounds so good when you're talking about it. But that day before, I may even say that month before, where it's really about to hit and you think about it, wow, I'm really giving it up. (laughs) You know, you you really have those feelings. It's very scary. Uh, At the same time, I would think that just being in this business, we thrive off of challenges in this industry, you face challenges every day and you overcome it. So the fear, you just tap into your will to overcome it as well. PCSing is is no joke for those out there. <laughs> that is basically when uh, the service member is assigned to a different duty station. And very often that involves uh, moving the entire family. So can you talk about PCSing with your husband and what was your uh, furthest place? When I'm when my husband and I were married, he was he was already halfway through his career. And when I say halfway through, like when you typically think of a career, you think about a 20 year career. Sometimes it's longer, sometimes it's shorter. But, you know, in in terms of talking halfway, it's it's a 20 year career. And he was at that point halfway through his career. So I didn't PCS nearly as many times as many other military spouses did. Our first PCS was was to Jacksonville, Florida. I knew nothing about Jacksonville. We had no family there. Not only was I leaving a job that I had you know, grown to love and had met lots of connections, my family also lived in the, in the D.C. area. And so I was leaving them as well. 
Yeah. And, and, and moving to Jacksonville, you know, as I mentioned, I was able to get position with, um, with the military as a civilian. And so I was working at Naval Air Station Jacksonville. And so that took a lot of the uncertainty out, but I didn't, you know, honestly find out that I had gotten that job until after we had been married for several months. We, we got married in May. I found out that I landed this job in September. Mm, mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there was that period of time of just waiting and uncertainty, you know, what was going to happen. And once a career option became a little more clear, it took some of that fear out because at least there's, there's something familiar, right? At least I get to do something, you know, within my field that I love and, you know, everything else, you know, we'll figure out. But it took a lot of faith. We, you talked about the will. There's definitely the will. There's been a lot of faith along the way that as long as we're planning and doing what we're supposed to do, you know, things things are going to work out. They might not always work out exactly how we plan. Right. But when I look back on things, they always, you know, had a way of, of working out and um, in a way that we were good with. Right. Um, so that was our first PCS station. We were there for about two and a half, almost three years. And our next PCS station, we had some options on locations to choose from. I wanted to get back home <laughs> to, mm-hmm. to the Washington, D.C. area. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we were, we were going to try to make that happen. And one day, what you realize is you, you don't have a lot of choice a lot of times in the matter. And even though there, there are options, sometimes someone's encouraging you, pushing you to maybe choose one option over another. And so there was a really good opportunity for my husband out in Washington state. And so he comes home one day and he goes, we're going to Washington. (laughs) (laughs) So matter of factly. (laughs) And I'm like, this is great. And he's like, we're going to Washington state. (laughs) And um, I, I didn't know what to say. It's, incredibly far away from anything that we both are familiar with and that we know. And it's not like you can drive or you can, you can drive from DC to Washington state, but it's not really, you know, practical as a regular consistent thing to do. Um, So yeah, it meant we were far away from family. It meant that I would see them less. I wouldn't be able to drive or take an hour flight, but it was, you know, a lot more planning to just be able to to visit and see family. And so that made me a little nervous. You know, you, you think about Washington state and specifically the Seattle area, you think about, you know, what you see in the media and maybe movies. And I'm like, this place, it rains all the time. It's gray. And just, um, you know, they weren't things that sounded good to me. And the first time I visited there was when the agency that I worked for sent me there to start taking a look at a project that I would be working on there. Okay. Um, and, and just to back up a step, um, the agency I worked for, they were able to move me when we found, when we got word that we were going to be moving to the Seattle area, they, they were able to arrange my move there as well. And that I would serve in the same function and have the same job, but, you know, work for that local, that local agency out in Washington state. Mm-hmm. And so I traveled there ahead of our PCS to meet with the team there. And 
there was this storm. It was, it was raining and it was cold and the wind was blowing. And this is my first taste of Washington and the Seattle area. And I'm like, this is, and I had also, because my husband was traveling when I made that trip up there, I had taken my infant daughter with me. (laughs) And so I flew out there by myself with her. And I just, I remember in my head, not all the details, but what stands out is trying to get like my luggage from the car in this storm Yes, with Mm -hmm. my daughter in her, uh, you know, in her car seat and trying to hold her in one arm with my luggage in another arm and trying to make my way into this hotel in this place I've never been to (laughs) before. And um, it was not a very good introduction to to Washington State, but we, we ended up moving there. And I will say, you know, it turned out to be, of all the places that we live, probably one of the most rewarding places wow. that, that we've lived. Mm-hmm. It is one of the most beautiful places I've been in the United States. Mm-hmm. And it is not always rainy and gray. And there are the most beautiful summers there and everything's green all the time. And I learned to love that place and was very glad that we were able to spend three years out there. And that we made that move. So while I was hesitant and I did not want to go initially, it turned out to be a really good experience. That's great. That's great. And the other thing that that comes with it, too, is when you have those experiences, it just makes you strong as a family. You just find a way to get through it together, you know, and then, like you said, it, it always works out. So was there ever a time that you were away from your husband? Did he ever have to do an unaccompanied tour or deployment? He, he did. Um, so when we were slated to leave Washington State, we had we had some options. Again, you know, there's kind of a listing of of next duty stations and assignments that come out. And he was due for a boat tour, boat tour being, you know, he spends three years assigned to a carrier. And what I had come to learn, you know, that means plenty of sea trials and you're gone for, you know, half a week here, half a week there, but then you're also deployed a couple of times. And depending on what's going on in the world, it's not always certain the duration Mm -hmm. (laughs) that you're, that you're deployed. So there was that option. And another option came up where he could do an unaccompanied tour um, in Germany when we were making this decision, also, mind you, I was expecting our third child mm-hmm. <laughs> at this point. And so mm-hmm. factoring all of this into what our life would look like, you know, with either option. And that's really how we looked at it. What would it mean for us as a family if he were to take a boat assignment? What would it mean for our family if he were to take an unaccompanied tour assignment? I think we're, for the most part, fairly logical folks. And we try to make decisions that, um, you know, for, for everyone in the family. And what we decided was, you know, it's probably just better to just do the unaccompanied tour. Mm-hmm. You know, it gives you a chance to travel overseas. We could come and visit, <laughs> you know, we couldn't stay, but we could come and visit. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then at that point, we knew that he was nearing the end of his 20 year career. And, and after that unaccompanied tour, he would be done as far as deployments. And so it really was kind of a, okay, let's just, let's just do this. Let's just do it. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so he left around December, I want to say December of that year. um, After moving us, we moved back to the DC area because we had already had information on what his assignment would be after 
that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. company tour. Mm-hmm. And so we moved back to the DC area. He got us moved in and then had to leave about 30 days later for his own mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And I was expecting our third child. Mm-hmm. Um, and we knew he would be gone for nine months. And so that also meant that there was a chance he would not be there when his daughter was born. Yeah. And that's what happened. And that, so that took some decision making too. And this has changed, I believe, since then. But when April came, which is, you know, she was due to be born in April. At that time, the men had about maybe two weeks of paternity leave. Mm-hmm. That's what was available to them. And we're like, okay, we're trying to plan this. <laughs> we're trying to plan this trip for him from Germany and kind of time it right <laughs> so right. that he's home yes. when his daughter's born. And we realized, you know, sometimes we you can't plan those things sometimes. That's right. And so we didn't want him to leave Germany too early and then the two weeks be up and then he's not able to really spend as much time with his newborn. Right. And so we made the decision that, you know, I guess you're just not going to be able to be here. Yeah. Uh, but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. not. <laughs> um, and, and so that's that's what we decided. And but we knew that, you know, he would fly out like that that next day or within a day or two. But he'd be able to spend that whole two weeks bonding with, with his newborn. And I mean, we're glad we made that decision. It was not an easy decision, but. Again, back in the D.C. area, I had, I had family nearby. And so I did have some support. That was certainly helpful in that situation. Yeah, that's everything. Family, help, um, and making those business decisions. Same here. My husband just did a one-year unaccompanied tour in Qatar, or Qatar. And that was also a business decision. The pickings were slim to begin with. But when we thought about the next assignment, which would be in North Carolina, which was closer to family for us, and just thought about what it would mean to his career to actually take this on, you know, we did it. And it was one of the toughest years (laughs) of my life because it tied into COVID. So we saw him for Christmas. We were able to spend Christmas together, thank God. And we tried to break it up so that we would have some trips planned. But that second trip never happened because of COVID. And it was hard on him because they were, you know, basically locked down on the base pretty much throughout the entire tour. Um, And, you know, we went through everything over here. And again, it was one of the toughest things because I was still working, have a demanding career. The kids are home. You really couldn't get a lot of help because everyone was scared at the time, especially when it started. You didn't know, you know, who could be around you or just asking for help at that time was just tough because who wanted to really, you know, compromise themselves to help people wanted to help. And I did eventually get some help, but it was just pretty much, it was tough. And I have my mom, she, she's a blessing. She's always been a blessing to me. And she basically came back and forth and helped me. I had a lot of support from the children's school where they were neighbors. So everyone just rallies around you. And I think that's that's a beautiful thing because the love that you get shown, you know, when you're making those commitments is everything. We need that. Sometimes those deployments, you're human. I will tell you, especially when my husband is on the phone and, and trying to give tips, <laughs> you know, trying to give suggestions. And, you know, the, the main thing that came to my mind sometimes was you're not here and it's not his fault. It's not his fault. It's not his fault. Um, but you're human. And when you're overwhelmed and you're going through so much, sometimes those conversations happen. Time differences, right? So your husband was in Germany. That's, was that like an eight hour time difference from? 
when you were? Oh, goodness. Off the top of my head? Let's say it was. Let's Close. say it was somewhere, let's Close, say it was right? somewhere around that. <laughs> yeah. So then you have to think about when your spouse is up, what are you doing? Are you at work? Right. So do they have to stay up to two o'clock in the morning to talk to you? Do you have to stay up to two o'clock in the morning? How often are they able to speak to the children? Because I don't know about your children, but mine, they were very affected by it. And not only affected as far as being sad, but it was also daddy's not here party time. (laughs) So you deal with a lot with actually having to deal and juggle everything. So again, military wives, they deal with so much. A lot of the wives that I knew, they either didn't work or they had not as intensive or demanding jobs for that reason, because you have to be more present for the children. You have to take care of everything. You know, if you're moving to another state, do you have to sell a house? You know, I sold a house, found a house in six weeks (laughs) because during COVID, everyone's PCS orders were stopped. They were on hold. So we really didn't know when he was coming home and you really don't want to take that initiative to say, okay, well, let me pre-plan because at that time, until your spouse has orders, you don't really want to make too many moves because anything can happen. You could be going to Germany one day and you may have to go to France another day. So, right, you don't want to make those decisions without actually having paper in hand. And when I had the paper in hand, again, I am used to project management. I had six weeks. I had my plan. I know what we needed to be. And I just pulled out all of those things that I knew and that I did every day to make it happen. So we make it happen. That's just what we do. Right. That's the bottom line. We make it happen. Tonya, I will say I have in the last 12, 13 years become the most efficient. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the most efficient person. I'm more efficient than I ever knew I could be. Yes. <laughs> Just with being a military wife, just with being a mom and everything that you have to juggle and plan for. And, you know, I and like you said, it's it's the wolf. Sometimes it's just because it needs to be done. And I am amazed at, you know, what we've been able to accomplish. And I know, you know, just hearing your story and just knowing well, many other military wives, many other military wives that, you know, that work or whether they decide to stay home. It is. It's a juggle. It takes it takes lots of planning. It's not always easy. Right. Um, it, it, you know, it takes takes a, a special kind of person to be able to pull all of that off. Yes. Yes. And, it, and if you put the work into it, it actually builds a very great marriage because, you know, not that everything's perfect, but you have to thrive on communication. You have to be on the same page because if you're not, it's not going to you're not going to make it. I mean, construction and the military known for it has a high divorce rate because there's so many different things that you have to consider. And if you don't sit down and take the time to be on one accord or at least on three quarters of an accord, because you're not going to always agree. Right. Um, But to get to strengthen your union, it's not going to work. So I think that it, it helped. Definitely. Like you said, you become more of an efficient person and making it. And I know that it also helped you in your career. So I want you to speak about that bounce back, right? Because, you know, the hubby is is retired now and you were able to get back into attaining your career goals. You're there. So speak about that. I'm really grateful that it worked out, that I was able to stay within my field 
even through the course of the remainder of his military career and having to move around to several different locations. One thing that, um, you know, I I did have to make the decision and I didn't point this out earlier was, you know, in, in making that decision, moving from the job that I had in the D.C. Maryland area and moving to a job with the government. You know, there was there there was a very significant pay cut between the two jobs. It was something that we were willing to do. The primary goal was stay relevant yes. in your field, right? Yes. And so the primary goal was to stay relevant, but to also move into that next phase of my life. And so was able to maintain, you know, through that phase of my career, um, working for the military as a civilian. When we moved back to the D.C. area, I did continue to work in the government for for some time, um, maybe about a year or so, and then started to maybe, you know, just reevaluate what my career looked like going forward with my husband's retirement coming up. I could start to look at what my career looked like going forward post-retirement for him. And so I looked at my career with the government and you know, there were certain policies in place that really prevented me from progressing without you know, getting certain certifications. And mm-hmm. um, it wasn't something that was really on my radar to do. And so I'm like, you know, this is, it's decision time. Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, either I stay where I am, knowing these policies are in place and knowing that I really it's not within my goals to really, you know, to check these boxes that they were looking for. It's not really aligned with, with where I see my career going. It wasn't really required in private sector either. Mm-hmm. And, um, or it was, you know, look for a job back in the private sector that gets me back into that role that I had grown to love before moving into a, a government position. And I was able to make that move um, back into the private sector world. And I brought with me, you know, everything that I had learned from my government experience. I mean, I would say just being in this industry, I do find it valuable to to have that perspective from, you know, a a general contractor versus an owner um, to see both sides and to see how both sides operate and what those expectations are from either side. So I not only found it just rewarding the work that I did with the government, I also found it beneficial once I did make that decision to leave and go back in the private sector. And it's continued to be rewarding career path that I've chosen. And, you know, I feel like I, I don't really feel like I missed a whole lot. When I went back to the private sector, you know, I saw a lot of colleagues that I worked with before I left and went to the government. And I, I saw a lot of the progression that they made in their careers. And, you know, one could look at it as, I'm, you know, I missed out on, on, on a lot of opportunities potentially. Um, you know, I guess I don't, I don't quite feel that way. I learned quite a bit during my time with the government and I have certain tools that, you know, maybe others didn't have that experience and didn't, ha- didn't gain those, those particular tools working from an owner side or working from a government side. And, you know, in doing that, you add a whole nother element to the team that you're working with. And that's always what it comes down to. And what's important is that, yeah, we, we all have our various experiences and we all come to the table with something to add. And so that felt really good just to, to be able to add from, from that perspective. Right. I think that's great. So I want you to talk to that mom that is a military wife and being where we were and trying to figure it out because your story is so important 
and how you portrayed it. Because number one, you didn't give up. Number two, you stayed relevant. You made a little bit of a sacrifice. I wouldn't say that you took a back seat. You stepped to the side to refine. You came back, you know, and you did it for the good of supporting your family. So what would you say to that young woman or woman who's going through the same thing right now? What type of encouragement, what type of advice would you give her? I would say, you know, look at what's important, really. You know, I I almost let career trump something that was going to make me very happy in life, mm. which is my family. You know, just looking back on that, that took that took a lot of faith. And it really just it took a lot of faith and a lot of just the world just to, you know, to make that decision and, and realize that. But I knew that it was right. You know, jobs come and go. You meet that right person. <laughs> you know, that's it's so important. And it really defines the rest of your life, really. I made that decision with that in mind and have had lots of rich experiences along the way. And so don't be afraid. Look at what's important. If you're trying to stay within your career, just, you know, keep keep an open mind. There are options out there. There are positions um, that have military spouse preference within the government. Look at, seek all of the resources that you can, you know, you'll find your opportunities and you'll find your path forward. Also, you know, don't, don't just stick to yourself. There's so many people around you that all support you. Um, when I was in Jacksonville, you know, there were lots of other military spouses that we would have these like meetings once a month. And, and it was just good to get together with them and just kind of hear everybody's experiences and you know, what, what the squadron was doing. And it, it was a, it was a good source of support and it was a good source of information. It was just, I learned a lot from these ladies because I knew nothing. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so take advantage of that. Um, and so I, I really, really appreciate, you know, some of the other military spouses that I've met along the way. Um, and just kudos, kudos to all of those military moms, whether you're working whether you're not, you know, it, it is, it is not always easy. And a lot of times we have to do a, a lot of work to make it work. And we do. So kudos. Thank you. That was great. That was great. Thank you for sharing your experience. I know someone will be blessed and encouraged by it. Thank you to my guests for joining us. And thank you for tuning in to MIC. Please be sure to check us out every Thursday. And don't forget to subscribe on whatever platform you're using so that you don't miss an episode when we drop. Remember, being a mom in this industry is about making sacrifices, but you do not have to sacrifice your dreams. If someone else has done it, you can as well. Do what you got to do and make it happen.